0: This September marks the 50th anniversary of Ferdinand Marcos Sr.'s declaration of martial law. This series, we are calling it the Memory Project, hopes to keep alive the testimonies of thousands of human rights victims under the dictator's military rule. What you're about to hear is from an affidavit attesting to the ordeal and fate of one such victim. It will be read by one Filipino who pledges to never forget. Please listen. Mabuting
1: makinig. Name of Torture Victim, Reverend Jose R. Naku January 29, 1973 The Philippine Constabulary, under the command of Colonel Alexander Felix, raided our religious house at La Salette, number no. 8, Hillcrest, Quezon City, Philippines, on January 29, 1973, around 6 p.m. They forced open the door of my bedroom, where I was napping, and some men physically manhandled me. They ordered me to dress up. One of the men grabbed my pants and took my wallet. He removed the money and I told him that the money was not his, and why was he pocketing it? He returned the money. After dressing up, they marched me to the living room and an officer questioned me about my organizations. Who were my companions? whether I was helping Minoy Aquino. Then two men grabbed me on each arm and hustled me outside the house and shoved me inside the back seat of their car. I was sandwiched between two men in the back seat. A driver and another man took the front seat and whisked us off to the constabulary anti-narcotics unit, Camp Crame, Quezon City, Philippines. I was then brought to the second floor and pushed inside an office room. I was shoved onto a sofa and it seemed that everybody was shouting, bombarding me with questions at the same time. The main questions, what was my organization? Who were the leaders? Where were they? Who was giving the finance? I was in shock. I just kept praying, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Eventually, they all left and someone locked the door. I was left temporarily by myself. Then someone came in and started haranguing me. Do I believe in God? Am I a communist? Do I work with Ninoy Aquino? Do I work with the NPA? Do I know Santa Claus? Then he gave me a pen and some papers, ordering me to write down the names of all my friends, the names and addresses of people who were funding our organizations. Then he left the room but I could see him outside with other men watching me through the pane glass. After an hour or so, some men came in the room and they began grilling me again. They bombarded me with accusations that I was in cahoots with Ninoy Aquino, that I was a communist, that I was an NPA, that I was an agent of the CIA. One would hurl accusations, another would ask me questions, and they didn't wait for any answer. I was extremely confused and distraught. I just kept praying silently, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. I must have been in shock since I forgot the rest of the prayer. So I just repeated the name of Jesus. I had stomach cramp. I felt like vomiting. I could only repeat the name, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Then they went into a huddle. After some time, Two men grabbed me on each arm and hustled me out of the room with other men leading in front and other men trailing behind while the two men practically lifted me off my feet. They marched me up a dark stair, pitch dark, and a man behind me saying, Tirahin natin. Let's hit him. Another responded, Bakit pa? Patayin na lang natin siya. What for? Let's just kill him. I was terrified and I prayed, Lord, help me. I must have blacked out because the next thing I knew when I became conscious that I was all alone in a dark room lying on the floor. I was disoriented. I didn't know where I was. I just kept saying to myself, am I dreaming? And I kept pinching myself to find out if I was alive. I just prayed, Lord, 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 help me, help me, help me. Although it was dark, I could still see that I was in a small office. There was a desk and a chair. I tried to open the door, but it was locked. Then someone unlocked the door and came in. He just threatened me by saying that there were drugs which could make me talk. Then he removed his revolver, a forty five caliber, and loaded it. And I prayed, This is it, Lord. Let me die right away. Make it quick. I must have vomited and passed away again because I tasted vomit in my mouth and smelled vomit on the floor when I woke up in the morning. January 30, 1973. The following evening, I was taken by two men and hustled in a big room. Some military men in uniform sat behind a long table and I was made to sit in front of them. The men in uniform began interrogating me. The questions were mainly, what was my organization? who were the leaders? Where did the finance come from? Again, they wanted to know if I was working with Ninoy Aquino. They said if I knew Santa Claus. I later found out that Ninoy Aquino was codenamed Santa Claus. They established that I was somehow connected with Senator Jose Jocno. The military confiscated my filing cabinets, my books, letters, and documents from my office at Number 8 Hillcrest. Even in this harrowing experience, I laughed to myself when one of the officers waved one of my books entitled The Third Revolution and accused me of leading a revolution. It was a psychiatry book. Again, they said they could make me talk, that I should tell them all I knew. This way, I need not suffer any more torture, since it was useless for me to protect anyone because they could easily get the information anyway because in this modern day, they could inject drugs to force me to talk. Except that the drugs could make me crazy, if given an overdose. Then one of the officers would intervene and say it was not necessary to torture me because if I were a good priest, I should help the government capture all the communists and the NPAs. And a good priest is against communists, he insinuated. The interrogation went on for hours. A mix-up of accusations, threats of bodily harm, mental torture, and death. I was then led back to the small room. Again, the door was locked. I must have fallen asleep. January 31, 1973. I was awakened by loud noises coming from the adjoining room. Banging and someone screaming, crying, and weeping. Tama na Tama na Enough, please. Enough, please. The scream and cries went on and on. I was terrified. Shrieks of, Wagna po maawa kayo, maawa kayo. No more. Have mercy, have mercy. I was trembling. Then someone came in the room where I was locked in and he just stared at me without saying anything. I tried not to look at him because I was terrified. My heart was pounding. I was afraid I might have a heart attack because I could hardly breathe. I just kept hearing the screams and the shrieks and the cries and the shouts and loud noises like a gang beating up someone in the other room. Then this guy who came in the room hefted a gun from his waist and moved behind me. I heard him load the gun. Then I heard the clicking of the hammer and the squeeze of the trigger. Click. My heart leapt to my throat. There was no bullet in the gun. The guy just coughed. I must have died a thousand deaths. I felt nausea. I felt I was going to vomit and pass out. I whispered the name of Jesus. I kept repeating Jesus to myself. Somehow, the good Lord watched over me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I repeated this prayer to myself and the prayer I learned when I was in elementary grade. Angel of God, my guardian dear to whom his love commits me here. Be thou always at my side, to rule and guide, to light and guard. Amen. Somehow I survived that ordeal. Praise the Lord. February 15, 1973. I was transferred to ISAFP, Camp Aguinaldo, and that evening I was given another grilling. The basic questions. Who were working with me? Who were financing us? The interrogators threatened that they would inject me with truth serum, that there was no way I could be saved, that they could get the truth eventually anyway, that no one could withstand their torture. So I might just as well tell them the truth. Who were my companions? Who were financing us? The accusations were mixed up. That I was a communist. That I was a CIA. That I was an NPA. That I was in cahoots with Ninoy Aquino to topple down the government. This went on and on and on. February 16, 1973. The following morning, I had to go through another grilling, and the same pattern of questions, accusations, and threats followed, except that earlier that morning, I was horrified when I saw one of the inmates who looked so shabby and disoriented. I was told he was given a truth serum. He looked wild. I was terrified by the military's threat to inject me with truth serum. I could be made to talk and somehow forced to break the seal of confession. The interrogation went on and on and on ad nauseum. Somehow I survived it. Praise the Lord. February 20, 1973. I was temporarily released. March 10, 1973. I was arrested again when I reported to ISAFP, Camp Aguinaldo, Quezon City, Philippines. This time, there were many inmates. We were crowded in a small room, over 20, and we had to sleep on cement floor. The same ghastly pattern occurred. Interrogations, accusations, threats of injection of drugs. Interrogation sessions were done in the mornings and evenings. These sessions went on and on and on. Subsequently, I was transferred to Epil Rehabilitation Center, Fort Bonifacio, and confined there. A year and three months later, I escaped. April 25, 1975. I was again arrested in Boac, Marinduque, and brought to the military camp. Two-PC zone under the command of Colonel Felizardo Guillermo. Again, another dreadful interrogation. This time, Colonel Guillermo wanted to know what I was doing in Marinduque. Was I organizing an ambush? What was my connection with the visit of the nuncho? Was I an agent of the CIA? Was I a communist? Was I communicating with the NPAs? Again, the frightening threats. They could beat the truth out of me. They would tie me up and hurl me from the helicopter into the sea to drown. That they would drug me. The interrogations went on and on and on till late into the night. I was finally led to another room and left by myself. My head was reeling. I felt nauseated but could not vomit. I tried to sleep but could hardly do so. I was sweating. Somehow, I survived the ordeal. Again, the good Lord watched over me. Praise the Lord. Although I survived the tortures inflicted on my person by the military during the martial law days, the harrowing experiences which caused so much mental pain and suffering exacted their price. The threat of inflicting severe physical pain e.g. tirahin na natin, patayin na natin. Let's beat him up. Let's just kill him. The threat of administering drugs, e.g. injecting truth serum. The threat of imminent death, e.g. being hurled from a helicopter to drown. All these threats lacerated my psychological well-being with lasting effect. Concretely, as a consequence of the torture, the trauma inflicted induces the following disabilities. Number one. I often feel nauseated whenever I recall those incidents. Number two, I frequently get image flashes of the interrogation sessions of threats, causing stomach aches, muscle spasms, shortness of breath, dizziness, headaches, confusion, and mental disorientation. Number three, I become fearful, paranoid, tense, and dizzy every time image flashes of my arrests and imprisonment come to mind. Number four, I suffer nightmares, waking up in cold sweat because of image flashes of being hurled from a helicopter and falling into the sea and drowning. Number five, sometimes I dream that I am tied down and a soldier injecting me with truth serum and forcing me to break the seal of confession and betray confidential communications. Number six, oftentimes I become tense and my stomach muscles contract whenever I see men in uniform. Number seven, I suspect that the subsequent cancer disease which afflicts me now is partly caused by the emotional stress and mental anguish I have suffered in the hands of the military. Number eight, additionally, the cumulative effect of three years and a half imprisonment by the military under the command responsibility of Ferdinand Marcos took its deleterious toll.
0: Will you also pledge to never forget... And would you like to lend your voice to The Memory Project? Email us at teka at pumapodcast.com and we will send you an affidavit that you can record, a testimony you can help keep alive. In the meantime, if you appreciated this episode, please share it with a friend. Mabuting makinig, lalo na kung sama-sama tayo. Tulong-tulong tayo to remember and never forget.